0: Welcome to the Got Science Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen McDonald. Today we're looking at how the clean energy sector is faring during the pandemic and what a clean energy recovery might look like. And while things have been running relatively smoothly here at Remote Podcasting Central, there are a few sections of glitchy audio in this episode. It doesn't affect comprehension, just annoys the podcast team. Oh, and stick around after the interview for This Week in Science History with Katie Love. In mid-May, my home state of Massachusetts announced the first steps in a four-phase plan to reopen certain businesses. Other states began limited reopenings several weeks ago. But even as stay-at-home protections loosen up, the way forward isn't very clear. How do people safely return to work? How do we get the economy back on track? And how can we prevent something like this from happening again? What we prioritize in our recovery will decide the direction of this country for years to come. And as we've recently discussed on the podcast, we want to do more than just to return to life as it was before the pandemic. We want to move forward and do even better. So today we're talking about what that better future could look like, a future where energy is clean and jobs keep growing and growing. And there's no one better to talk about clean energy than my good friend and frequent guest, John Rogers, a national expert on clean energy, who's a colleague of mine at the Union of Concerned Scientists. This time we're talking about the incredible progress renewable energy has made in the past decade and the role that plays in supporting the economy's growth. But in the wave of pandemic-related job losses, clean energy was certainly not spared. So as Congress figures out our recovery plan, John explains the role clean energy plays in protecting public health while also supporting people across the socioeconomic spectrum. And for listeners who are committed to a clean energy future, John has some advice for getting Congress to pay attention. John, uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to have you back.
1: Great to be with you, Colleen.
0: I want to talk about where we are now with clean energy in the midst of this incredible crisis and where things are headed or should head. But um, but maybe we should start with where we've come from. What sort of progress have we seen in renewable energy in the past decade?
1: Sure, Colleen. And uh, I think that's the sort of thing you and I have tended to talk about on the podcast. And that's obviously a, an easier, happier, happier story. So let me uh let me take you back maybe maybe about about 10 years and it really is the last 10 or 12 years that uh, we've seen so much progress in clean energy in terms of the costs in terms of the size of the of the products, the efficiency, the the size of the industries, the market penetration. Uh, maybe I can give you a few uh, a few examples. If we look at wind power, for example, we get, you look at where we were 10 years ago and where we are now, we get four times as much electricity from wind as we did a decade ago. Uh, Wind has grown to more than 7% of our electricity supply, basically enough to generate the equivalent of 30 million, more than 30 million U.S. households worth of electricity demand. And a big reason for that, it is often the cheapest option for new electricity generation in many parts of the country. So and that's that's one technology. If you look at look at solar, we've seen the costs of residential systems fall by something like 60 percent over the last decade. Large scale solar is now often the cheapest, even when the projects include batteries. So thinking about generating power, getting power from solar power after the sun goes down. And we've got enough to supply the equivalent of well over 10, 10 million U.S. households. And in fact, last year, the number of American homes with solar hit 2 million. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's only a few years after we hit the 1 million mark. So these are really, these are really technologies on the move.
0: So a quick follow-up question. When you say that... Um wind is one of the cheapest why is that
1: well part of it is there have been there have been improvements in the efficiency of wind turbines there have been improvements in the scales we've got taller towers we've got bigger bigger wind turbines uh bigger projects and all that adds up to the costs coming down Mm -hmm. and It's it's just uh, we have an incredible we have incredible wind resources in many parts of the country. So if you look and you think about the Midwest, the Great Plains, the Southwest in particular, there are just just incredible resources. And so when wind is allowed to compete, when a when a utility company is going looking to say, okay, where are we going to get our power from? uh, Wind is often the the cheapest option. It's it's often the one that uh, that beats out. It certainly beats out new coal. It can beat out natural gas in a lot of cases. And part of that is understanding that projects like wind, renewable energy projects that have no fuel costs, can know what their costs are going to be. Basically, you know, it's how much is it going to cost to put the thing in in the first place and what kind of operations and maintenance costs are we going to have. We don't have to be worrying about what's going to happen with fuel prices. We don't have to include those in the pricing of projects like wind or solar
0: so so it's pretty straightforward once you're set up and ready to go
1: yeah i mean there's a lot that goes into it don't don't get me wrong uh they, right there, there there's a lot of work that needs to do uh to get things ready on on the ground and, in terms of the the uh, and connecting to the electricity grids and you know getting uh, landowners on board all that but The technology itself, the economics of that are just incredibly attractive and and becoming more so all the time.
0: So there've been a lot of advances in renewable energy technologies. How about energy efficiency?
1: So we've seen, uh, you know, over the last decade, LEDs, you know, those white uh, light-emitting diode lights have really taken the market by storm. We've seen incredible progress over in recent decades on refrigerators, on air conditioners, washing machines all of that has been an important piece of keeping electricity demand flat for for years even as our economy has grown and i'll say one other piece uh, or another piece of the clean energy of clean energy progress the clean energy revolution is is what we're seeing in the transportation sector so electric vehicles have have just been coming on so strong in in so many markets and this stuff keeps getting better we're constantly making clean energy more efficient, less expensive, more resilient, harder to pass up. So I'll give you a couple numbers on that. By the end of last year, the wind sector was responsible for creating more than 110,000 jobs in the US, solar, some 250,000 jobs, energy efficiency, more than 2 million jobs. If you add in other renewables, energy storage, electric vehicles, hybrids, you're looking at something like, well, more than three million American jobs.
0: So, John, how has the growth in the clean energy sector been affected by the pandemic?
1: Well, Colleen, the, the COVID crisis has certainly hit our economy in a whole range of ways with different impacts for different types of businesses. And that certainly has been true for clean energy jobs, too, one category of clean energy jobs is those that involve visiting homes. If you think about engaging directly with the public for energy efficiency, for example, or rooftop solar, if it's not safe to visit, it's a lot harder to do your work. But large-scale renewable energy projects like wind, wind farms or, or big solar arrays have had their own problems. In a lot of cases, projects that were well underway might have been able to continue, or have been able to continue, if they already had their solar panels or their wind turbine parts stored somewhere so that the supply chains weren't an issue, for example, and if the workers could safely work on the job site. But you also have to be thinking about the next set of projects, as as industry certainly is, issues around supply chains or financing or, or given the economic downturn in general, around electricity demand or customers. And of course, this all affects jobs. A recent analysis of of unemployment filings for March and April showed that almost 600,000 clean energy workers had filed for unemployment benefits. And that same analysis projected that that the clean energy sector might lose 850,000 jobs by June 30th, that'd mean we we would have lost or will have lost one out of every four US clean energy workers jobs that were, that were uh, there at the beginning of 2020. We were set to have banner years for both solar and wind, and we will certainly be making progress, but the projections are now that we'll certainly also see lower amounts of solar and wind than we had expected.
0: Right. So, I mean, some states are starting to loosen stay-at-home protections. How that plays out is a big question mark for public health, but also for the economy. Um, what needs to be done to make sure clean energy progress continues and even accelerates?
1: You're right, Colleen. That's a that's a big question mark. That's a huge question mark. And I see this with my, my wife and her small business trying to figure out when, when should she reopen, when can she hire her staff back, what does she do about her all her fixed costs in the meantime? How does she get the equipment she needs? You can bet that that renewable energy, clean energy companies are, are going through the same thing. The first thing that they have to be thinking about is how to protect workers and customers, and really about listening to the science on this. Just because some elected official or governing body has said it's safe to come back doesn't mean it is. So. Figuring out the timing for that, figuring out the proper equipment, you know, the PPEs that we've heard so much about, that's going to apply in a lot more than just frontline health workers. There's also the economic piece of this. You have to get customers, or customers have to get comfortable. There there are some indications that people who are thinking of going solar, you know, for their own house, are still thinking about it, are still, are, are now even more committed but companies entering into long-term contracts for solar or wind have been a, a, another big piece of the renewable energy market. And the, the drivers for that won't have gone away. So it may just be a question of capacity or capability for those customers in terms of signing deals with wind developers, solar developers, or others. And then there's the, the policy environment for, for keeping clean energy moving forward.
0: You set me up for my next question, which is um, the policy landscape, but particularly on the, on the federal level. We know that Congress has a huge role to play, not just in dealing with the public health crisis, but also in getting our economy back on track. What should be included in the next stimulus bill to move us in the right direction?
1: Well, I, I, th- I think it's clear that as we wrestle with the COVID crisis, supporting frontline workers, thinking about low-income households who are disproportionately hurt by this crisis, and thinking about small businesses that are such an important engine for our economy have to continue to be the national priorities. As Congress is thinking about getting people safely back to work and, and getting our economy back on track, it's got to be prioritizing investments in, in improving public health in reducing disaster risk and addressing economic disparities in this country, and clean energy can be a big piece of all of that. It's important to realize that we shouldn't be be looking to just put things back the way they were. We should be aiming to, to recover, but not replicate what we had before the COVID crisis. As we rebuild, we can do things better.
0: We'll be back in a minute with the second half of our interview. The Got Science Podcast is brought to you by the Union of Concerned Scientists. More at gotsciencepodcast.org. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, PRX, SoundCloud, and all the usual podcast outlets. For a transcript and links to additional resources from this episode and a full bio of our guest, head over to gotsciencepodcast.org. If you like the podcast, you can help us reach more people by simply sharing the podcast with your friends, coworkers, and on your social networks. Another way to help us get noticed is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It's quick and super easy. And finally, if you're on Twitter, come talk to us at GotScienceUCS. Now let's get back to our interview. I don't want to say when things go back to normal, because as you just said, we want better than normal. So what what can that look like? Can you give me a few examples about what Congress should do?
1: Oh, sure. And there is there's a whole lot in clean energy. We're talking about Congress using tax incentives to keep U.S. renewable energy projects moving really for protecting and, and reigniting its, its awesome job creation machine. We're talking about Congress investing in modernizing our electricity grid in ways that will enable it to carry us into the coming decades and and really let us harness clean energy to the fullest for the benefit of consumers and communities. And we're also talking about Congress investing in helping low-income households with their energy bills. In the short term, that's going to be about direct bill assistance, given what the crisis has meant for incomes and higher energy bills because because a family's forced to stay home. For the longer term, that's about, think about weatherization, that's about sealing homes, not just to cut energy burdens, but to make them healthier and more comfortable. And remember that, that energy efficiency is another major job creator. So that's sort of one piece of it. If you look at transportation, Congress can be investing in, in creating jobs and improving public health by investing in electric vehicle deployment. So these are thinking about tax credits or rebates, programs for investing in electric buses, whether that's school buses or public transit, building out our electric vehicle charging options along highways and in communities, and thinking always about about equity, about access, about low-income households, and figuring out how we make sure that they have full participation in this in these different pieces of of progress that are that are happening for both clean energy and clean vehicles it can be about investing in advanced manufacturing right here in the u.s and creating jobs in the most economically vulnerable areas of the country
0: what about fossil fuel jobs and the communities that rely on those jobs
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question because, you know, I focus a lot on clean energy. But a part of that is what's what's happening and to other pieces in this in this transition. There's a there's the immediate crisis and the need to protect workers with standards that take COVID into account. But Congress also needs to be soundly rejecting the way that coal companies are trying to get out of their responsibilities for for taking care of workers with black lung disease or taking care of abandoned mines. So this is all part and parcel of that, of the of what we need to do to move things, move our our energy sector in the right direction.
0: So how do we go about making sure that a stimulus bill is strong and includes a lot of these pieces that you've been talking about?
1: I think we need to keep hammering away at the jobs piece of this. Clean energy has been an inc- incredible job creator. I think politicians will respond to that. Um, you, we need to continue to put that in context, help them help them see those in, those incredible numbers, help them understand the real need to get that job creation back back on track. And I, I think, uh, you know, one important piece of this, if you look at something like wind power, 99 percent of turbines are in rural areas of the country. So if you're thinking about getting people back to work, not, not just in the cities, but in the, in the vast part of the country that's outside the cities, things like wind power can be a real ally for that. And I think uh, we just need to help continue to help make our elected leaders understand that.
0: So when we enter the next phase, and and I assume we're going to have to move forward in a staged way, but what are your thoughts about how quickly the clean energy sector can rebound from this crisis?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's really tough to say. Um, I gave the example earlier of my my wife and as a small business person, and thinking about or watching her go through all the the pieces that have to come together in order to get get her business back back on track. So it's going to depend on small business people across the country making decisions like that. It's going to depend on corporate executives for the larger larger companies involved in this. It's going to depend on workers making the decision or having the having the wherewithal to come back to work safely. And it's going to have to depend on customers. But another uh, another really important piece of this is is thinking about the equity of this, thinking about the vulnerable and marginalized people in communities, think about African-American, Latino communities that have for so long borne the pollution burden of of our power system, of our transportation systems. We really need to be finding ways to prioritize those portions of our society.
0: So where do you hope we'll be in the next three to five years?
1: Well. It's important to understand that, that clean energy is continuing to make progress, even, even in this environment. So this year, we were projecting that renewable energy was going to be 20% of our electricity supply. And I think that seems likely to happen. And, and in part, that's because of all the stuff we installed during 2019. You know, those wind turbines are still working. Those solar panels are still cranking out electrons. Uh, we're we're seeing right now, I, I saw an analysis that looked at uh, across the U.S., across the 48 states showing that renewable energy has been generating more, has generated more than coal power for 80 days already as of early May. In fact, at that point, it was going 40 days straight, 40 days straight in which we had more electricity from renewable energy than we did from coal power. That's obviously unprecedented in the history of our power system. Uh, in the next three to five years, I mean, we certainly hope that before that we'll be back on track and that the, the jobs will have come back and, and the job creation will be continuing. Um, I think we can, I, I think it's, uh, I think we're gonna to wanna to be looking at a pretty aggressive move on, on ramping up renewable energy so that such that by Say by twenty twenty five, something like fifty percent of our electricity is coming from low carbon, so meaning, uh, you know, with renewables playing playing the bulk of that. And then leading states are at a much higher level than that. I think, uh, and we're going to, you know, a, an important metric is going to be seeing how we're doing with equity, and making sure that on issues of access, on issues of affordability, uh, on issues of opportunity for people uh, across the socioeconomic spectrum, in communities of color, in cities, in rural areas, that we have set up or that we are, we are part of the solution for, uh, for uh, addressing the inequities that that have so long been a part of our, of our society.
0: So the federal government has a role, small businesses and larger companies have a role, what about the states
1: there is a certainly a big role for states states state legislatures are are rightly focused on on public health and public health and economics right now but it'll be important for them to keep in mind how much the clean energy can be a help in that push so you see states you know before this hit or actually even even last month we had Virginia becoming the ninth or 10th, depending on how you count, state committing to 100% clean energy. And that's, that's so states like that, leadership states have been so important in driving things forward, particularly where the federal government has fallen short. So I think we're going to continue to see leading states uh, take charge of pieces of this as they are able. And that's that's going to be a really important piece of this.
0: What advice would you give to our listeners who are um, very committed to having a clean energy future?
1: Our strongest push needs to be around congressional action. So, you know, if you want to weigh in with your congressional representative both the House and the Senate to make sure that as they continue to figure out ways to get our economy back on track, that they they make sure that clean energy, clean transportation, equity, Climate preparedness, all these are are important, are big pieces of, of what they come up with. The federal government is really important in all this, but, but states, leadership states are gonna continue to try to find ways to lead and, and you really wanna support that.
0: Absolutely. John, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I look forward to talking to you again in the future.
1: Great to be back with you, Colleen. Thanks very much.
0: And now it's time for This Week in Science History with Katie Love. This Week in Science History, we're going back to May
2: 22nd, 1849, as the U.S. Patent Office issued patent number 6,469 for a mechanism that would lift boats over sandbars, shoals, and other underwater obstructions. The mechanism was never actually manufactured And frankly, the invention isn't what I'm interested in discussing today, but rather the inventor, because the Patent Office had just approved the patent of a former congressman and practicing lawyer in Springfield, Illinois, one Abraham Lincoln. Clearly, despite his invention never being made, he still went on to see some success, including being elected president of the United States. And to this day, Lincoln remains the only U.S. president to have a patent in his name. But that's not his only tie to technology and science. President Lincoln also signed the congressional bill that created the National Academy of Sciences in 1863 at the height of the Civil War. The National Academy is charged with providing independent, objective advice to the nation on matters related to science and technology. Over the years, it's been expanded to include the National Academy of Engineering and the National Academy of Medicine. When you get down to it, in order to do its job, the U.S. government needs science. Government officials, federal agencies, Congress, they all rely on scientific information and advice to help shape policy decisions that affect everyone's well-being and we're all watching in real time the importance of science in decision-making during the COVID-19 pandemic. As Abraham Lincoln himself noted in an 1859 speech in Milwaukee, the rudiments of science are available and highly valuable. So whether it's the national academies, scientific advisory panels, or scientific agencies within the government, such as the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, it's critical our leaders listen to the science, including the thousands of scientists working for the U.S. government who have helped make us safer, healthier, and better informed.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of the Got Science podcast. Got Science is made possible by the 130,000 members of UCS and especially our Partners for the Earth, the 12,000 supporters who make monthly contributions to Stand Up for Science, Learn more at UCSUSA.org slash partners. Special thanks to energy expert John Rogers. This Week in Science History was brought to you by Katie Love. Editing by Omari Spears. Additional editing and music by Brian Middleton. Research and writing by Pamela Wirth and Jayu Liang. Our executive producer is Rich Hayes, and I'm your host, Colleen MacDonald come find us on Twitter at GotScienceUCS. Thanks, and stay safe, everyone.